Hi everyone, I'm Heidi Rogers and this is Tell the Others. I wanted to create a place for meaningful conversation, life lessons, and parenting hacks. Sometimes I chat to interesting people, sometimes I answer questions about parenting or life stuff, and sometimes I just rant. These episodes are filled with stories and insights that made me say, ugh, I just have to tell the others. So let's dive in to hear what we can learn today. I get so angry with my kids. I get so crazy mad. I yell and scream like a maniac. I can't seem to stop and I often can't feel it coming. I think I have an impulse control problem. I seem to go from zero to a hundred in no time. Please help. First of all, my angry mama friend, I want to say you are well and truly normal. Um, I think all of us can attest to times that we have lost our marbles and um, been just super horrendous, I think, and just not parenting as our ideal self and losing our temper. I think the first thing where we have to start is with that aspect that she says of, I can't, I often can't feel it coming. We have to be constantly checking in with ourselves, I think, on where we're at and how we're feeling. I think that is so important and kind of unfair with, I think what we often do is we get across at our kids when they flip out and lose it over something. And, um, we can't, you know, we struggle to do the same. I just want to start with that by saying we have to be kind of responsible for ourselves and checking in on, um, how we're feeling about stuff. I do that by, I just periodically ask myself, what's wrong? Why are you irritated? If I feel my sort of blood pressure rising, I stop and ask myself what's bothering me. A lot of times it's hunger that I haven't remembered to, you know, fuel myself enough. A lot of times it's I'm thirsty or I just need to sit down for a second. I've just been go, go, go. So sometimes I just have to stop and ask myself, kind of parent myself and ask me like, what do you need? You know, why are you escalating? And that often is a good way that I can sort of service myself because it's not our kids' responsibility to feed us, hydrate us, and remind us to rest or take a minute for yourself, you know? You guys have probably heard me say before that I will often use the um, excuse I have to go to the bathroom <laughs> with my kids if I need a minute. So for this mom who's saying, I feel myself escalate, or I can't really feel myself escalate, it comes out of nowhere, that just to me says you want to be in increasing your game of just being self-aware and being connected. And the best way to do that is to just periodically check in with yourself. Some people I know set a reminder, like clients of mine do this, where they will set a reminder in their phone to come, like to alert them periodically to just touch base with themselves. Some people will have the, on the Apple Watch, there's like a breathe app, which just periodically literally reminds you to breathe, which is kind of comical, but works. Some of my clients report that that works. So I just think you have to, or I have a sign on the wall too, that just reminds me to connect before correct. So I look at that sometimes and that just reminds me to connect in with myself first before I get all correcty and snappy at the kids. That would be a good place to kind of start, I think, too, is just finding whatever you need to do to remind you to get yourself kind of supported. And I think the analogy I like the most is just the reparenting, like just to reparent yourself in, in a sense that you're another kid in the mix. What are your needs? You need a break. You need some auditory 
chill out time, you know, like I got to turn the TV down or the music off or whatever. Um, for me, I find a lot of sensory input overloads me. So if there's screaming and crying and the TV's on music's playing, I have to just sort of mute and pause everything to just get the sensory sort of stimulation down. But try to figure it out what it is for you. Just try to kind of go within yourself to figure out what's bugging me right now. You know, the listening to my partner chew too loudly, is that grating on your nerves? You know, what's irritating you and kind of riling you up. And then if you can connect into that, I think that's the first place you got to start is to know what's happening. You know, Dan Siegel always says you got to name it to tame it. And I think if you can start to name and identify how you feel, that's, a, you know, awareness is always the first step to everything, right? Like no problem exists until you say, oh, the problem exists, right? So you got to first start with that. So I think once then you figure out, okay, so I have an issue with this, I'm, I'm hungry, then can I satisfy the need? You know, can I service my, myself? Yep, I can do that. I can mute the TV, I can eat something, I can go to the bathroom or whatever. I just, the reason why I like that I have to go to the bathroom really quick is it's non-shaming, it's non-blaming, and it's a really quick way to just get out before I explode and just stepping away really quick. And ideally being alone in the bathroom, those of you with young kids will know that that's a joke, but um, <laughs> if you can, going into the bathroom means then you can just be by yourself to just belly breathe, really. If you don't know what belly breathing is, please check out my video I have on YouTube where I demonstrate it. But it basically is just diaphragmatic breathing, not deep breathing, but the military, they call it tactical breathing. If you Google any of those things, but mainly diaphragmatic breathing, and then you can see what it's done. It basically means that on the inhale, you stick your tummy out, which expands your diaphragm. And the diaphragm has this straight shot in your vagus nerve to your amygdala. So you immediately send the message to your amygdala, I'm safe because when we flip and we lose it at our kids, it's really our fight flight response being activated. So something is happening that makes us feel emotionally unsafe and um, or psychologically unsafe. And that usually happens when they're not listening to us. And it triggers us into that crazy state where you literally feel like you snap. And that just sort of, you know, minute where you just flip, that is your amygdala doing its job, which is I'm trying to activate you to get you out of here by fight or flight. So you either storm out or you scream at them and fight. If you can remove yourself from the situation or do belly breathing to calm your amygdala down, then you are basically like, you're then communicating to them. I know how to regulate my emotions. Watch, I'll show you. I know how to do deep breathing. And sometimes that's what I'll do with my kids is I'll model it and say like, you guys, I need to just take a few deep breaths here. I'm trying to calm down. So can you just give me a second? And sometimes they'll listen and that works. And then sometimes I know if that's like impossible, I'll do the old bathroom trick and just go, I just have to go pee real quick. Give me a sec. And I'll just sort of run out and clench my teeth and just go like, ah, you know, like scream in my head in the bathroom and sort of release the anger and release the frustration. I think just on that, sorry, I just thought of a random idea, but I don't know how many of you guys have done the anger module yet, but that module is like, I don't know, some of my life's work in there. I'm, I'm very interested in anger, I think, because I was never taught how to manage it. It wasn't modeled 
great by my parents. And I think also being female, there's a lot of cultural stuff around anger that it's not really okay for women to show their anger. It's kind of a dude's thing. And um, yeah, and so I am really passionate about the whole concept of anger. And I like to learn about it because I just wanted to kind of sort it out within myself. Anyway, and one of my favorite analogies that I learned or like a metaphor that I learned from Thich Nhat Hanh of all people is um, the concept of venting. And you often hear people say like, oh, I just want to vent. And I always used to think that that was like, okay, or normal or whatever. And then when I ex read his understanding and his explanation of it, I was like, oh my God, that's so logical. So his stance on it is venting is rehearsing the anger and kind of doesn't really make it go away. It just sort of fans the flames. And he says, if you think about it like a fire, if your bedroom was on fire, would you come in the house and go, oh my God, the bedroom's on fire. And then would you go running up and down the street going, who started this fire? Who started this fire? Like, no, you don't go looking, who do I blame? Who do I blame? Which is often what we do when we get angry. No, you don't do that. Why? Because your house is going to burn down by the time you go through the whole neighborhood and come back, right? So the whole running around trying to blame and pinpoint and fault whoever, you know, who did this and I can't believe you and that totally useless. Then the other option is venting, right? Is opening up the windows and ventilating the room. So if your bedroom is on fire, would you then go in there and open up all the windows and doors? No. Why? Because that's not what soothes fire, is it? ventilation, that probably just gets it going, right? You you wouldn't do that. You'd get water, right? Like immediately. You wouldn't go running looking for who did it. You wouldn't do anything else but just soothe the flames and soothe the fire immediately. And what is the water to the fire, aka anger? Compassion. And I think in angry situations with our kids, when we lose our shit with them, it's an opportunity for us to extend compassion to them. My favorite is reminding myself that they have an immature cortex and just a, a not fully developed brain. And so that's why they do dumb stuff. And that's why they make, you know, crazy choices and whatever, and have a hard time regulating their emotions, have a hard time with frustration tolerance. They don't like being like that. Dude, who likes having low frustration tolerance? Lame. Who likes feeling, you know, vulnerable constantly to their emotions. Like you're going to burst into tears or burst into anger any second. Like nobody likes that. I think kids hate that part of their brain's inability to regulate. So that's my go-to to help me free up compassion for my kids. But then I think we also really got to extend compassion to ourselves and sweet Jesus. If there is any conversation I have had more in the last six months during quarantine with like literally every client at some point, it's been about self-compassion and that we need to just really extend more compassion to ourselves on the fact that we're operating with less capacity, that we're all a bit stretched, we're all playing, you know, multi roles of teacher, parent, partner, friend, sibling, you know, like, there's a lot of roles that we're juggling. And um, it's kind of just impossible, the expectations I think we all have on ourselves. So coming back to the whole angry thing, I think that anger module legit is like 
I love that thing. I put so much into that, you guys. I really hope you guys dig it because I think anger is just so frustrating because you just feel so out of control. And I know for me, when I yell at my kids, like seeing that look in their face, like when they're scared because you've snapped like that, like it's such a gross feeling. And I don't yell as nearly as much as I used to. I still do occasionally. I'm not going to lie. Definitely more in the last six months. That's for damn sure. Just with all the pressure of everything and the relentlessness of parenting right now. But I think it's just something I kind of work at. And I had a friend say to me the other day, she was talking about, she's a, another clinician and she was talking about when she works with families that have kids who have eating disorders. And she was saying, you know, what I always encourage them to do is just focus on five minutes of change a day. If you can work with, you know, whatever issue is around the eating or the food or the feeding, just five minutes of change a day. That's it. And I was like, God, I love that. I'm stealing that. And um, I just think that's what we all got to focus on in this whole parenting transformation, like program and experience is just five minutes, man, just five minutes a day. And you know, like when you do that, when you're going to go for a run and you're like, I'm going to go for a five minute run or no, you know what? I'm just going to go for a walk, five minute walk. What happens by the time you get your shoes on, you get dressed, you get outside, you go, this is actually really nice. I'm going to keep going. And that's what I think this program kind of is too, is like, just chip away at the videos. There's no rush. Just watch or listen to five minutes a day and then commit to yourself. I'm just going to work on responding differently to my child for just five minutes. I'm not going to react like I usually do. I'm just going to respond and just five minutes. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to try five minutes today of doing it a little bit different and implementing one of Heidi's strategies or, you know, maybe it's not doing something that you used to do. I, you know, like I'm going to try to not yell for one hour, or I'm going to try to give my kids more choices today. You know, something that you don't normally do. Just try five minutes, dude. And then, you know, any of you, oh, not any of you, all of you, everyone, any, every one of us has done something that when we started, we thought I'm never going to get through this, right? That could be learning a language, learning an instrument, learning how to ski, renovations, starting a job, learning a new skill set at work, right? All of us have had that period and that experience where we go, I'm never going to get this just I, or pain and suffering. I'm never going to get through this. And then you do. And how do you eat a whale? You know, one bite at a time, you just got to slowly chip away at it. And I think so this mom saying, you know, I get so angry and I, I think I have an impulse control problem. Like you don't have an impulse control problem. You're just normal with a normal amygdala that gets triggered into the fight flight response and you just got to slowly chip away at it and slowly practice changing your choices of how you respond. The problem is with anger and an emotional response is a lot of times your amygdala hijacks it, right? Your amygdala just steps in and goes, kapow, we're exploding. But what we want to do instead is just get on the front foot because it's all about prevention, you know, like you just want to get in there first with, okay, I'm starting to notice I'm escalating in my head. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm about to snap. I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick and just take a minute to take a few deep breaths and remind myself of my mantras. I have my mantras in the bathroom <laughs> since that's my little safe haven that are, you know, my affirmations of they're giving me a hard, they're not giving me a hard time. They're having a hard time. If you can look at those to just remind you in those moments of what you need to hear and to remind you of the stuff to like the stuff that just keeps you calm, the stuff that keeps you centered. They're having a hard time, not giving me a hard time. It's not an emergency. 
They're acting like a child because they are a child. I can handle this calmly. I attend to my anger with compassion. That's another Thich Nhat Hanh gem. He has this rad analogy about how you want to treat your anger. And it literally, not even exaggerating, changed my life. That book, his whole book on anger, it's called like Anger Cooling the Flames or something like that. Phenomenal, phenomenal book. And I've read a lot of books on anger and that's probably one of my favorites. But he has this analogy about your baby. So he has the fire one. And then he has the other analogy about your anger is like a baby. And what we most, most of us get wrong is that we embrace our anger with petrol. You know, we light it up, we fan the flames. And when we vent to someone else and I got to tell you what happened, it just rehearses the anger. It's like practicing. And the same thing with like hitting a pillow. It's just rehearsing the anger. It's not soothing the flames. It's fanning them. And, you know, in psych school, we're like taught that, you know, offer opportunities for people to discharge their anger by punching a pillow or screaming in the car or screaming into a pillow and discharge the anger. And that's what I always like. That's what I was trained. That's what I thought was the way. Never really helped me never really heard a client tell me it helped them um, or anyone tell me that with their kids. And then the way that Thich Nhat Hanh explains it is, no, you give it compassion. You smother it with like love and tenderness and you embrace it. And that's what soothes it. And that's so true, right? Because what's, we always call anger the anger iceberg. And if you look at the top, what you can see above the surface is anger. And what you see below the surface is actually helplessness, powerlessness, vulnerability, sadness, fear. So anyone who says to me, I have an anger issue, I immediately go, oh, you have in my head, I don't say this out loud because it's kind of rude, but I say, oh, you have a vulnerability issue or, oh, you don't like feeling helpless or, oh, you don't like feeling powerless and sad and afraid. And so you use your anger to mobilize. And that's normal. That's what we all, that's what anger does for all of us, right? Anger is a mobilizing state when I feel unsafe, mentally, psychologically, emotionally, physically, whatever. Because when I'm in, and if you guys have watched module two and polyvagal theory and polyvagal ladder, that's at the bottom of the ladder, right? That's Eeyore in the, that slide, which is shutdown state. And I don't like that state. That state sucks, right? Who, what, ew, who wants to feel that way? Nobody, right? So what do we do to move up the ladder and get to mobilized agitate. I'll just share this actually really quick so you can see week two. See how Eeyore is at the bottom? Numb, collapse, shut down. I can't cope. I'm alone, helpless, feel empty. I'm disconnected from myself and others. That feeling sucks, right? So, ew, nobody wants to feel like that. So what do we do? We go up the ladder to mobilized, agitated, frantic, and that's where the anger sits in that angry tigger stage. I'm overwhelmed. I can't keep up. I feel anxious, irritable, chaotic. So when you feel that way, that's where you're at is in the middle of the ladder. But sadness is at the bottom and that doesn't feel nice. So that's why a lot of us will gravitate to anger. And a lot of us also too have an unfortunate pattern, a habit of doing this little dance where I feel helpless because you're not listening or I feel frustrated because you're not doing what I asked you to do. And then that just progresses, progresses, progresses. And then I shoot up the ladder. I'm now agitated, angry, whatever. And um, that does not help. 
the situation at all, does it? So back to Thich Nhat Hanh. So he says, and this is the, the bit that I love. He says, embrace your anger with a lot of tenderness. Your anger is not your enemy. Your anger is your baby. You have to be like a mother listening for the cries of her baby. If a mother's working in the kitchen and hears her baby crying, she puts down whatever she's doing and she goes to comfort her baby. She may be making a very good soup. The soup is important, but it's much less important than the suffering of her baby. Her appearance in the room is like sunshine because a mother is full of warmth, concern, and tenderness. The first thing she does is pick up the baby and embrace him tenderly. When the mother embraces her baby, her energy penetrates him and soothes him. This is exactly what you have to do when anger begins to surface. You have to abandon everything that you are doing because your most important task is to go back to yourself and take care of your baby, your anger. Nothing is more urgent than taking good care of your baby. And so the first step, really, when we have those difficult emotions like anger or helplessness, really, because that's what precedes it, is finding the willingness to move toward your painful feelings, okay? And that's the thing that most of us don't do when the, the painful feelings come up. We move away, suppress, numb, avoid, ignore. And that just makes the anger more like ragey and more, you know, bigger flames. And I think too, we stop with the blame thing and we stop wanting someone else to rescue, save, fix, me, the situation, you should apologize, this shouldn't have happened, all that kind of blamey stuff. When you realize that no one else is going to take care of my emotions except for me, and I can't rely on, nor do I want to rely on other people for my happiness and my anger, it's on me. And so I'm going to embrace my feelings that come up as my little baby. And that is such a key thing that, um, I have found in my own anger management work is shifting just the whole relationship I have with it. As soon as I start to feel the anger come up, I get in my head this image of a little baby with anger on its shirt. And I think, how would I respond to this baby? I wouldn't yell at it. I wouldn't, you know, drop kick it. I would tend to it with compassion and kindness and what do you need? What do you want? Why are you here? Okay. You're probably feeling helpless right now. What are you feeling helpless about? What are you feeling frustrated with? And if I attend to it that way, then the anger will say back to me, you know, they're not listening. And do you know what, honestly, too, I don't know, this might be going a little bit too down the woo-woo path of therapy, but a lot of us, actually, it's connected to our childhood and it's connected to our experiences when we were little and not being listened to by our parents. And that old kind of memory is still there within us. And that old frustration of not being heard and not being acknowledged and not being seen is often what happens when our children don't listen to us, that it pokes that old wound in us of feeling ignored. And that's often why it's so disproportionate sometimes is it's just years and years and years of being ignored by your own parents. That's sort of stored away and filed away in your mind, which is why doing like inner child meditations and inner child work is so important because that's where, and I know this sounds like I'm hearing myself and I'm sure a lot of you are going, this lady's crazy. For those of you that haven't done any inner child work or therapy, I'm sure you're just shaking your head and that's okay. But it is Dude, honestly, it is. It's like the key to so much of our healing and peace and joy and stuff in life is working on that inner child stuff. So back to the anger thing. If you can start to identify, that's the first thing is start to see the anger coming, 
notice it sort of bubbling up what happens in you like for me in my body i notice my jaw clenches when i'm starting to get agitated i'll do like a stop it you know like a, a teeth gritted talking like that's how it will start for me is i'll feel my jaw clench and as soon as i feel that i know boop, i gotta take myself away i gotta do some belly breathing i gotta go to my quote unquote i have to go to the bathroom thing to just take a minute to calm down and to regulate but the biggest thing with anger is not getting to that point because usually once you get to that point you're all riled up and your amygdala is sort of ready to go and you know your boxing gloves are up so you want to try to manage it and that's the same with our kids you want to try to manage it before you get to 100 when you're closer to you know 60 or 50 before you get the zero to 100 thing so the emotional regulation module as well i think is a really good place to start if this is all kind of new to you about even just building your emotional literacy, which is naming your feelings and emotions. A lot of us weren't raised with that. So we don't know how to do that for ourselves, let alone do it for our kids. So starting with just emotional, building your emotional literacy is a great place to start and then being able to do that for your kids. If you're a parent or a professional who works with children and you want my help in improving things with the kiddos in your life, or if you're simply a human being feeling kind of stuck and maybe kind of overwhelmed, my online programs have lots of resources, transformative content, one-on-one -on -one coaching, group coaching, and a supportive community. If you want to learn more, just go to HeidiRogers.com. All right, friends, thank you as always for tuning in today. Our time is our most precious asset, so I truly appreciate you sharing your time with me. I'll see you right back here for the next episode of Tell the Others.